namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa uddang namang sanghang namasami So this is the um, the last night of our three-month retreat here, Chidviveka. So, um, so from you know, from tomorrow and things, the some of the forms change and shift and uh, other things other activities begin you shift around a little bit see what happens it's a very important and insightful um, period if you take it slowly and carefully and, and take, make something important out of it so it doesn't mean you've got to be grave or solemn but to really stay you know, mindful and, and aware of What's happening to you? Yeah. See if it's light, if it's humorous, just notice that, you know, how that affects you. If you're on your own, it's quiet, how that affects you. If you're with people, how that affects you. If you're something you don't know how to do, how that affects you. If you're something that if, um, you enjoy, how that affects you. You know, and really look at those effects, the things one runs towards, the things one recoils from, things we feel a little bit tighten up around, things we uh, feel flustered by. And contemplating the, these effects, you know, panic, uh, uh, the alarm, how some of these crystallize into very strong and probably familiar patterns, feeling overwhelmed by something, being left out something, feeling compelled by something you know, the urgencies and the got to's and I can't and they never and it always is and, and it's them and it's me and these things where things suddenly you know, kind of crystallize into to places which are stressful and uh, unsatisfying and um, even if you can manage to just kind of put up with it and resign yourself to it so it doesn't feel very painful. You must, one must admit that it is. Um, one loses agility and humour and and um, flexibility in it. We become tight. We tighten up. Even if that tightening seems to defend us from some of the pain or the awkwardness or the embarrassment, we still feel ourselves kind of. Um, you develop these kind of numbing patterns where you don't feel something or you defend yourself or you shrug something off or you dismiss something or you walk away and you know I'm not suffering it's your fault (laughs) you know so this is a a kind of 
way in which we don't actually feel the, 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 the distress because something is kind of closes uh, protects us we defend ourselves often with um, you know, we may find that certain um, you know strategies like you walk away from something or you mentally walk away from you just shrug it off uh, somebody else's problem shrug you know, dismiss it or we adopt a philosophical viewpoint well life's like that what can you expect you know? or um, put it on somebody else well that's him or it's her you know it's them or you know and around or 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 even most sadly well that's just the way I am and resignation um, uh, you know so these are all forms of the same um, ailment, really, of uh, that, that meeting the, the place, these areas where we feel some uncertainty or stress or inadequacies. There's a, there's a blur and a jump. And the jump is towards something that feels more solid, even if it feels hard or restrictive or numb or compulsive. At least it feels solid, you know. and we, we jump, something this jumps to that. You get this wavery, wobbly feeling, and then there's a blur and the jump, and that can happen in, in a very brief instant. You jump to your view to defend yourself. Uh, uh, we shut off something that feels a bit embarrassing or awkward. Uh, uh, so you get this kind of jump thing. And what we jump to is a piece of, of what seems to be ground or firm ground, which can be uh, a viewpoint. Well, life's like that, or she's like that, or people are like that, or monks are like that, or Chitty Vaker's like that, or Ajahn Sajidu's like that. Boom, you know, that's that, cut and dry, right, you know. If it's miserable, it's that. <laughs> you know, and, and you can feel the kind of hardening of that. And, uh, and something one loses a sense of, well, is it really? How is it? Because it's all, no, it's all, it's all signed, sealed, and delivered. You don't have to investigate what it really is, because I've just called it that, named it that, placed it there, and I can now turn my attention somewhere else. So we leave these kind of pieces of dead territory in, in our hearts. I mean, some of them are people, some of them are places, and some of them are ourselves. Some of the other people, and some of myself. You know, the giving the bits I've given up on. Well, I'm just no good at that. But, you know, I can't do that. Give up. You know. I'm never going to get that. You know, those things. I'm never going to be uh, confident. I'm never going to be liked. I'm never going to be have be enjoyable. I'm never going to, you know, give up. And so these, uh, and then, well, well, because of that, then I'll do this instead. So you get this. This is what you can we can consider or contemplate these places, these experiences where there's a there's a sense of of, of uh, things are flowing along, and suddenly we seem to touch something or hit something, or something touches us, where 
we feel quite uncertain or unsteady for a blur and then there's this jump experience and we land onto something which feels firm but actually is deadening it's uh, almost like a you know you see, you see and then there's a defense in a way from the the unsteady state of feeling frightened or feeling um, exposed or vulnerable or particularly that this is a, like the personality world you know, personality everybody has one is an experience we all, we all have it's really it's the bits of our of our intimate experience it's, it's when as we meet the world as the world touches us as people and events touch us then the bits that we can't it, it shapes us it shapes this particular personality out of um, ways in which I accommodate um, distress or hurt or abuse or pain or joy or whatever how I, how I, how I manage with that so I've got particular patterns you know, maybe I like reading books or something and it helps to get me away from other things I can be into something I can bury myself in and get some enjoyment out of maybe I like talking a lot it helps to you know these are not evil or bad they're just things that we can recognize the personality biases and tendencies and now uh, so this is the kind of area that we that is um, we come into as we, as we become more interactive in the personal personality realm and the realm of apparent selfhood and the apparent world crystallizes and what one makes out of it and what the patterns are that arise out of it these can be you know what chithurst is about and what you know who we define ourselves as being and it's not as if actually none of this has probably stopped actually I mean it may have subdued a bit but for because of the fact we've had a lot less interaction a lot less things to do and some of our of our personal um, habits we put aside try to adopt a kind of a certain anonymous uh, and conformity with all the difficulties that can have in order to to just not follow the channels the habitual channels and that's really what it's for it's not so you become a conformist personality, <laughs> which people think that's what it's about. You know, we all become good little Buddhist monks and nuns, and you know we salute Buddha every morning and like Boy Scouts or something. We're all bright, shiny little little summoners. It's a personal thing. No, we're probably kind of you know flickerings of faith and flickerings of doubt, resentment, confusion, inspiration, aspiration joy, fear, a whole lot of it Um, but just operating in this way is not so that you've actually just become completely identified with a form either the form of of a summoner or the form of Chithurst or the form of retreat, you've got something to kind of contemplate watch how you, how, what it does when some of these personality forms are checked so that the ways in which we would normally um, move away from the, the the stressful the way we distract or divert or cover or replace uh, 
you know, I feel sad here, so I'll get do this instead of make me feel happy. You know, I feel a bit lonely, so I'll have something to eat or drink. You know, it feel, makes you feel good. When we we put these aside, then we're left with some of this more more um, raw material of uh, you know when some of those, if you like, the foxholes are blocked. You see, you see the nature of the fox as you're trying to. There goes the you know the anger that can't can't actually be dis- left, or the sense of um, restlessness that we know can no longer just um, you know. Uh, soak up with doing something or or whatever it is so we come to um, so this is useful to, to actually this is what form of retreat is about really in one, one way it does it, it kind of blocks off the personality realm but it puts you into the realm of selfhood um, which is an apparent realm, a manifest realm, uh, which is perhaps the you know the, the, the bit underneath the personality. This, in fact, is our main uh, domain. And whenever we meditate, we meditate in this place, whether we're breathing through the body, contemplating the mind. It's really the body as our you know, as our parent self, it's our, it's where we live. For example, we're not looking at an abstract body; we're looking at this body, how it feels, this breath, how it feels to me. You know. We're looking at this mind, so we're looking at the the, the subjective experience and contemplating that. So we've had um, this is the this domain the domain of one's parent self is the uh, domain for awakening awaken through this it's supposed to be pachatang in oneself subjective and that you what's happening to me direct immediate this one and using these um, Objective, anonymous forms to highlight that, not to, not to neutralize it, but to highlight it and hold it carefully. And meditation. Uh, this is one um, image. It's rather like. It's the kind of holding of yourself, like holding, I like it to like holding a bird. You don't want to, if you don't hold it firmly enough, it flies away. You hold it too hard, you crush it. It's that kind of holding. It's quite gentle, firm, and full on. It's that kind of holding. You get a, get a feeling for that, if you just learn that. To, to how to hold the right kind of holding so it doesn't crush it doesn't twist it doesn't only hold the neck <laughs> you know it holds the whole thing in this way which is firm where it's not pressing not crushing not trying to make the bird into a hippo um, 
not holding the bird like it's a rock, uh, not letting it fly away. And so within that you can feel the tremblings and the beatings and the flutterings of the wings and perhaps the pecking of the beak and its attempts to escape and its and its heartbeats and its pangs and you can feel the whole thing just holding it. Mm. It's actually a very, in some ways, it's a very simple practice. Sati Sampajanya, mindfulness and full awareness is a sense of direct present moment bringing yourself into the present moment bringing your attention onto the present arising you know of, of one's self in some ways you know, bodily self mental self feeling self the intimacy of what you're experiencing bring yourself to that not distracting and then spreading this quality of, of sampajanya full awareness full on awareness awareness that's very you know, full in many words, it's both covers and it's also highly aware, you know, it's sensitive, spreading it over what you're holding. Uh, and that, that, that's it. You know, that's, that's the, the practice. As we all probably recognise sometimes that the thing, what we're holding, has got such power and passion to it that um, you know the bird flies away, or or it, uh, you, you lose the holding. It doesn't get held. It, it flaps around, or, or or the reaction to it is to try is to crush it. You try and shut it all down. But in the, in the, as a general standard, in the long run, the benefit is of, of developing that kind of holding and doing it as a continual thing, rather than just spurts of, of meditation, half an hour here, half an hour there. Just doing, developing as a kind of continual uh, quality, so that you're able to hold your this self-experience when it's meditating when it's walking, when it's sitting, when it's lying down, when it's eating, when it's sleeping, when it's with people, when it's not. Just as it's described in the suttas on mindfulness, the mindfulness discourses. You know, when urinating and defecating, has anybody done that? You you don't go to meditation retreats in order to do mindfulness of defecating. We don't think that's very important. We do anapanasati. But Probably that we don't defecate as much as we breathe, <laughs> unless it's having a really the dial was a bit rich or something. But <laughs> so mindfulness of breathing is probably more useful as a long, long-term thing. But at the same time, you know, it's developed that, that that covering the whole thing, and so the Buddha is quite explicit about it all. So you see, when you, even you get a presentation like that, it, it sometimes it almost affects. You start to you get an effect from that. Sometimes you could think, "Oh, well, that's really nice," oh. or you could think, "Is that all?" I mean, you know, can we do something more? You know, more. You know, really get in there, something more esoteric or something more, you know, 
it's lustrous or diamond-like or just know you're walking so okay, there, there's a bit of a ripple there isn't there who wants to form some kind of view or get some technique or something going which is a little more a little more oomph in it than that so that's, that's, that's part of it that's a ripple isn't it there's a sort of you know I want a little bit more charge going so even the way that one apprehends the teaching is something to comp to look at to consider to reflect on by and large the um Teaching, by and large, recommends um, this sense of equanimity or ease, just holding something carefully and steadiness. It doesn't recommend, by and large, a a highly charged um, kind of holding. So you notice breathing in, breathing out, knowing you're breathing in, knowing you're breathing out. Is that all? Breathing, But can you? What, what does it take to do that? The kind of simplicity and openness to do that. Fully breathing in, fully breathing, being with an in-breath, being with an out-breath. So, you know, sometimes people can't take that. So you want to count the breaths, contemplate the breath at the nostrils, um, get get quite. Um, highly charged about these specific points of things they want to get onto techniques and systems that's that's the only way and the right way and the best way and the proper way but when you come back to what the Buddha said he he doesn't say that just says breathing in breathing out and then the really exciting bit breathing in long breathing out long And then the higher, higher teachings are uh, breathing out, feeling your entire body, and then calming it. So, and this, in fact, seems to indicate rather than narrowing your attention down, is sort of opening it up. As you become more competent, then you can, in fact, widen and open your attention to cover the whole, whole of your sensed body what you sense when you breathe in and breathe out the whole body as it you feel the charging the slight change of energies the shifts the whole quality of that the embodiment as you as you in breathing in how the breath affects that experience so it, it, even though it's a kind of widening it's actually a, also a deepening quality of a subtlety and a of, of awareness it's kind of like a finer attuning because you should be quite quiet and simple and uncomplicated and un- non-obsessive to just listen in that fully and receive that much so you're actually now you're holding the bird and you're feeling all the feathers not just the, the, the texture of it the whole thing mm, it's like that 
and you're not trying to wring its neck you know, or make it do something so this, this quality this kind of lightness and, and sensitivity is certainly the way that awareness will, will tend to develop I see that particularly with Anapanasati it's more like a you know a map of the way it goes if you're on the right track it's not saying do this you've got to do this you've got to do that then you do this and then, and then you get onto this bit it's just this is the kind of thing that happens as you settle as you hold it as you simplify as you begin to release some of the fears and the urgencies and the blockages then it becomes this kind of natural unfolding and you can feel your whole body sitting and you feel calm and pleased by that and the qualities of of uplift, pity and ease, sukha arise and they're both bodily there's a certain bodily quality like you're, as you're sitting in a hot bath or something, it's that kind of quality and there's a mental quality or emotional quality of, of, of joy and uh, happiness and this, this blending um, means that you become very um, satisfied and, and contained within that so that's actually a process of, of, of a specific teaching on mindfulness of breathing. And so, but, but essentially, just to, to recognize the way that that occurs is as a kind of natural process to that, that begins with this ability to, to hold something in the right way. And if you don't begin holding it in the right way, it doesn't move that way. And if you have to keep doing it, stage, you know, from this to that to this to that, then the holding of the meditation practice itself becomes uh, puppet-like. You know, I'll do this and then I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll do that, and and you actually, there's not the, the sense of the joy and the release into dhamma. The thing doesn't happen by itself. You, you end up doing it all, and then you get tired, and then you feel fed up. And then you feel, well, I should make more effort to do it. And then I can't do it. And then it's so hard to do it. And then, oh, has anybody got a nice book I could read on something else? <laughs> you know, because, you know, um, there's a, there's an um, infallible law to all this. That if the practice, if the tone of the practice does not have that right holding, then you just burn out, you just wear out. It may take you a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, very determined person, thirty years, you know. Mm-hmm. This robe I'm wearing is a monk who's thirty three years, I think, and he just disrobed. Said, I'm just tired, tired of having to hold it all together, worn out, and enough. I think it's a great thing to do, but I just can't do it, can't keep doing it. You know, it's sad that something doesn't lift you along, you know, that you, you still feel you've got to grind it out year in, year out, you know, out of some sense of loyalty or duty or inspiration. And these qualities are not absent, they're lovely. But, you know, 
shouldn't it be that there is something that can lift you up in all this? You don't have to just keep dragging yourself along. There's real um, free energy available. And my, my, my encouragement is to, to really find, you know, remember that and find that right at stage one. You know. Because once you start determining what your Dhamma practice is, is it's this and this and this and this and this, then that sets the pattern, which it gets quite difficult to, to change in, in, the, in the future time. And if your pattern is, is always based upon holding something, you know, hard, so you can get away from the wobbly, uncertain, open, vague, vulnerable feeling of, well, I don't quite know, and I'll do them at the time. So, and you just want to grip to get out of that. Then you get these systems dependencies. You get um, you get into doing, you know, meditation becomes a kind of something that doesn't help you to explore that area, but actually just takes you away from it. And and you 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 can become a you know whether these whole processes and practices that are meant for liberation become things that just enforce your your personality view. They harden you up. And of course, it's much more than meditation, isn't it? You know, the, the holy life itself can become a burden and a pain and I've got to do and I mustn't do and the tradition tells me I've got to do so you know what's that feel like you know the kind of weight of that and the and the implacable quality of it where the sense of you know immediacy agility Pliancy, mobility, fluency, joy gets gradually, if not gradually, it gets closed down into this this sense of you know grimly enduring, um, with probably you know notable like loyalty and so forth in it. But but it's it's not actually lifting any lifting you along. Now this is not supposed this is not an easy ride. I'm not saying that. But it, it should be a practice which acknowledges some of this tightness and hardness and takes us through it rather than sanctifies it. <laughs> you know, till eventually, you know, the hardness becomes sanctified and the right thing and I become the soft failure that couldn't make it. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be wiser to consider the hardness to be the problem and the soft failure to actually be the good bit? <laughs> That you need to kind of, you know, be clarify and support and encourage and, you know, it's like that uh, it develop into something that's got clarity and empathy in it and stability in it, rather than just um, go under uh, um, this this hardening of the heart, hardening of awareness. But our practice is. In this, in this very poignant territory of, of dukkha, of what can be either directly painful or vulnerable or raw 
or uncertain or fearful or volatile or um, you know numbing vacuous hollow empty meaningless these kind of experiences that we touch into the gulf the can't do the don't know the you know these things where we don't no longer feel so we don't feel very clear or, 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 or fluent um, that's that's the bit. This is why it's a it's a, a very radical, timeless, human teaching. It's not just a particular religious bias or doctrine. It's something we all experience. And we all experience the things that we do to get away from it. The... Uh, the jumping away into something that takes us out of that a thought, a sense object, an occupation uh, turn something on believe in something something that gets us away from that funny place fill, fill up the hole so that you know our lives can be based upon just assembling all these external objects but also internal objects um, personalities, structures, our private world, and for a summoner, when the sen- when the external sense objects get more and more limited, then it's this internal dimension, the hardening of that, that is much more the the issue, and it hardens the views and opinions about the teachings, views and opinions about oneself, views and opinions about other people. Um, so you, you can kind of feel that that push into it. Where it's no longer held gently, held firmly, but held uh, either fumbled with, uh, we lose ourselves, we feel blurred, we feel, we feel struck, we feel wounded, we feel closing down, we panic, something in us gets very jittery. One way you can begin to recognize this, because it is very compulsive and believable, is how uh, when you hear statements like never, I never, they never, he never, she never, or always is another one. I always, they always, he always, and um, have to, I have to, he has to, she has to, we have to, they have to. Just just feel what those <laughs> words do to you. <laughs> and ought to, and should, and shouldn't. You know. So you can, when you when your thinking starts to go into these, just just feel what it feels like. You know, what's happening there? And uh, not just you know because it will be completely believable, and you find all the all the data to back it up, and it's true. So don't question whether it's true or not because it is true. You know, but just feel what it feels like. What what it feels like from a heart perspective. You feel the spin. You may feel a spinning. You may feel uh, a kind of sinking. You may what you probably feel most commonly is like a certain uh, heart constriction. Um, which may seem like you're bracing yourself against an implacable foe or protecting yourself 
against something or being firm and definite and decisive. But there's a certain kind of tightening and constricting. And it's not... Um, well, it's, it's, it's of a heart nature. That is, it's to do with um, the emotional pers- spectrum that you have. You may find that you feel angry or fearful. So the possibility of humour, joy... Um, kind of wide-ranging uh, things disappears. You come to something quite narrow. And um, feel what it feels like in your body. Feel hot, flushed, uh, up in your head, in your throat, stomach tightens up, whatever it is, you can feel the pulse rate changes. This is so. Just, just sense that this is dukkha. <laughs> this is it. This is dukkha. And the, the kind of like immediate, or at least the temporary solution, the samatha solution, is just breathe in, breathe out, stop, breathe in, breathe out. Feel the, feel the breathing, feel your body, relax where you feel tense, feel where the, the, anything feels uh, warm or, flow, or flowing in your body, try to feel that and tune into that. So rather than tuning into the afflicted, tightened up states and, spec- and perspectives, just tune into something that feels in yourself, in your own experience right now that feels Okay, could be standing on the ground, could be breathing in, breathing out, could be the sense of the body. Mm. You may find it easy with your eyes open. That can take, that can help you to not get so hypnotized by the internal world. See the space, the stillness. Oh yeah. So you find something you can tune into that takes you out of this this other trance, the trance of suffering. That's the kind of we say the immediate remedy, and you can get quite agile at that. And so as you do that, you kind of with any one of those takes you back to that the tone of meditation, which is a sense of you're not distract, you're not running somewhere else, you're not closing down, just. Finding the place where you can hold your experience lightly, clearly, firmly. Mm-hmm. It's like this now. This is dukkha. And then, as you just as you hold it in the right way, oh, this is the stopping of it. It relaxes. Now I'm out of it. So it's rather like that. If you keep focusing on the topics that... that, that, that brought you there, then of course you, one keeps catalyzing. It could be you know, nobody ever does, nobody ever cleans the floor but me. There's never been another person in the world that cleans the floor but me. You know, it could be this. You know, um, <laughs> and I have to. <laughs> and if I don't, the world falls apart. Or, I, you know, something like this, one of these pieces of absolute truth that uh, come up. 
And just breathe in, breathe out. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I remember it actually. So and so cleaned the floor on Thursday, and I do a lot of other things apart from clean floors. And so the whole thing opens up, you know. And, uh, and actually, why not clean the floor? So suddenly the thing loosens up. So this process whereby you you pick a particular point, and and you uh, you know, and then you you kind of totalize it. It's like you take a particular point. It's like lining up particular points. Remember those simple puzzles you used to do on backs of newspapers and comics, where we got this points and you have to link up number one to number two and the end of it you get a swan or something like that you you link these things up well this is what we do with our suffering as well, we remember the time he didn't do that the time he did do that and the time that he he didn't do that and we link that up, this means he is one of those he's a control freak he's a um, you know, lazy. He's a hypocrite. He's a, you know because he did that. He didn't do that. You link up three points, and bonk, there he is. It's linking up the dots. Some they call it constellating. Well, like the stars in the sky, you see these zillions of stars in the sky, and you take two stars actually are million, billions of light years apart from each other, maybe, and you link them up. And you say, oh look, there's a lion, yeah. and there's a swan. You know, these stars have nothing to do with each other, you know. But you, there they are, and there definitely is a swan and a lion, and look at that. And we do the same thing. You pick a particular piece of behavior, a particular event, and it links up, and you constellate, one constellates a person, externally or internally. And the other bits get, you know, the other stars get picked, missed, you know. Uh, his his illness, his humour, um, his meditation missed because all he ever is is this, you know. And in that moment, that's what it feels like. Or internally, you know. Here am I, uh, and then you get, pick up three or four points and constellate yourself inter- internally. Um, you know, uh, moody. Um, nobody likes me, and. Um, Something else, you know, see, three points. And you start to examine some of these things. Mm-hmm. Some of these constellations. And so you can begin to almost intellectually review that nobody likes me means probably that on Friday somebody looked at me a bit unhappily because I didn't chop the carrots properly. And on Tuesday um, somebody complained about the way I made the soup, you know. This means nobody likes me. You know, totally, ever, never. You know, I am. I am ineffective, inefficient. So it goes like that. And, but probably more uh, in a, in a deep is to is just is not just look at these things, but to kind of co- contemplate the energies that do that. That the urgencies, that the way that the light do, dots get lined up what it is that focuses on them, what it is in ourselves that draws the lines. Because hmm? this is the bit that you can review for insight, see, 
consider this is this is really important. What is it that draws that shape externally as other, as the world or other people or internally as myself? And what does it feel like? Notice how out of control it is. How it just happens. And that you're in it. Or they are it. How out of control it is. How blurred it is. It's ignorance. It's not, you know, it poses as clarity. Its end result is a kind of glassy clarity, a hypnotic clarity of definition with a certain emotional fixity and rigidity to it and a certain bodily disease. Um, That's the end result of it. And that end result we call me and my world. So, but the, the, where it comes from is a blur, a jump, and something that rushes to that. It constellates, it draws it. That's the bit that you can, that you have to review. Rather than even an anguish over the, the, the patterns that have got drawn. Because that can be a real problem when you start. Oh, I'm, a, I'm always doing this, and I'm like that, and I'm this kind of person, and that kind of person, and why am I saying, you know? So you get hypnotized by suffering rather than penetrate it, and uh, realize, so that you know the, the, the real thing is the suffering or the stressful or the the you know, that becomes something one's deeply involved with rather than actually penetrating. What is it that brings that into being? If you see that the second noble truth, that that dukkha is brought into being, it arises, it rises up, dependent upon certain root energies. It's not actually there, except with these particular energies that, that push it up there. And these energies are involuntary, tanha, it's not a choice. It's not, oh, I fancy some of that. I do I rather like some of that. It's not a kind of little hankery interest. It's a something that's called craving. And it's as, it's as desperate and as out of control as that. It's like an addiction. Something that just pushes us into these things. And the Buddha used the term tanha, which literally means something like thirst. It's not a fancy it's a thirst. It's got that same urgency to it. Mm-hmm. And this, um, so it, when so the quality, this kind of compulsive quality, this habitual, habituating quality, uh, and ironically, it can feel because it is so unavailable and so well used, it can feel like safe. You know, it can feel natural because it just happens. It just happens. It's so easy to construct a world. It's so easy to construct yourself that um, it begins to kind of something in one 
it's easy, you can sleep on it, you know, just let it happen. Wait for the next one to come along. So waking up is is actually to hold things away out of tanha is actually quite a lot of work to stay light, to keep acknowledging the pushes and the drives and the urgencies and the I got to and I'm not and I never will and they should and and just acknowledge that pushing and keep releasing and relaxing it. Just because that's what freedom is. Freedom in, in, in the Buddhist teaching is the cessation, the resting, the giving up, the relinquishment, the complete abandonment of that particular energy. And it's an energy that is it's compulsive, it's urgent, and it's also compelling. And it takes it and it's backed up by ignorance, which is a kind of misty, obscurity, blurring, uh, fuzziness. Uh, there's a certain kind of emotional paralysis or heart paralysis that occurs. We just fall into it. Boom. Here it goes. So whenever it's like that, you're just falling into habit, falling into habit, not holding things. However, you know, the habit may seem, however you should be really vigilant to it. Because sooner or later, it will construct suffering. First of all, it will construct permanence, selfhood, and then the suffering will come along with that. Either with the trying to maintain it, or with it breaking up, or with it doing a number on you. (laughs) You know? This is when you, you you construct a good place or a good situation and you're holding it like that, trying to make it, you know, this is good, and then something goes wrong with it. And you get the failure, mistake, wrong. So sometimes, you know, people ask me about Chithurst. Well, they don't ask me about Chithurst. They say, oh, you know, you look, you're having a rough time down there. You know, things aren't going very well or something like that you know, because things are always breaking down in the monastery phone system went the heating system has gone funny sewage system we're struggling with and you know no, quite knows what to do about this or that and the other and we don't really have the kind of you know competence and skills and so forth you know. and uh, so feel that sense of wanting to make it all function and work and effective and efficient and happy and peaceful and serene and clean and tidy and believable and and so forth. No. No, I think the real motto is this doesn't have to work. (laughs) With summoners, this doesn't have to work. Let it fall apart. This is what it's about. Can you be with the falling apart of the conditioned realm? Mm-hmm. Holding that. This is the nature of conditions. Because what's, what's true and real doesn't fall apart. And if we align ourselves to what's true and real, 
then you know you're not getting this kind of emotional paralysis, panic, alarm, fear, incompetence, ineffectiveness, can't do, overwhelmed. If you, we keep aligning ourselves to conditions that are fallible, breakable, corruptible, impermanent, then we keep aligning ourselves to that which is stress. So all you ever really experience is different tones of stress. The stress of success and the stress of failure. Stress of things being permanent and the stress of them falling apart. But to really recognize the thing that, that pushes us to make the stressful the important thing in our life. You know, the thing where we could find firm ground. If we only got it together, if we only did this right, it would be all right. If we only had another one of those, it would be work. If we made it that way, it would be fine. If we did it like that, then that would be okay. Just a little bit further, if we just worked and it, it, it would make it all right. You know? Just that, that energy that keeps driving people on. And is it ever all right? And we lose our ability to accept, be humble, let things change, and really align ourselves to what is satisfying and true. The knowing, awareness, presence. And from that, as we meet the world of conditions, instead of the constellating permanence and fear and alarm and blame and panic and places and things to do and things to go, we, we, con- we come up with something like uh, kindness and compassion and joy and equanimity just just seeing things steady holding holding vision steadily over what's ex- being experienced just the, the steadying of that and the lovingness this is a this is the response to the conditioned world you don't this is holding it in the right way this is this is the kind of you know one way of defining the holding space of meditation it's like that It's very important to have references so that, you know, we might say the remedial process is just to have something you can refer to 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 take you out of the trance, take you out of the spin, take you out of the place of stress. As you come out of that, and then you you begin to align yourself to what awareness is about. stillness, the the openness 
the ease of it, the non-restriction of it, the non-intrusion. It doesn't. It's not intruded upon by anything. It doesn't not resist anything. It doesn't ask for anything. So it doesn't grasp. It doesn't resist. It doesn't tighten. It's free. Like that, and you kind of align, align you get a chance to align yourself to that, and then from there you can begin. We can begin to kind of review how stress happens, how suffering happens, and the, the 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 strategies, the drives that we don't recognise, the tanha that we haven't really understood or acknowledged. Which are often deeply personalised. I've got to be Bhavatana. I should be Bhavatana. It's Bhavatana. I never will be. I can't be. This is this is the Bhavatana. Form that form of thirst to be something, to become something, with either the the urge for that or the fear that you won't make it. Or vivavatanha, which is the sense of, oh, I don't want to ever be like that. The fear of becoming something. I might go nuts, or I might go weird, or I might be left out in the cold, or something. The kind of urge to try and get away from something. And karmatanha, that push towards something to eat, taste, touch, see, something to take me away from this. You know, it's not to, you know, whatever. If you just focus on the, the, the things that you want to become, or the things you find, the sense objects you find yourself interested in, this, in a way, take take can make a, an issue out of what are really just um, props. These aren't the problem, you know. So you can give up this, you know, you can give up trifle and salt beef sandwiches and coffee or something well that's it I've kicked it but then oh, <laughs> you just transfer into something else <laughs> you know or you, you we get into the sense of now I've become someone who doesn't need this so you you harden around that or develop views about particular sense objects so it's not this doesn't this is an interesting exercise to let go of some of these things if you're compulsive about them but more useful is to really contemplate the drive and not to be, not to even be frightened of the drive, but just to contemplate. This is tanha. What does it feel like right now? Even if you just have a minute or so, when you want that urge to have something or do something, just stop. Don't make a puritanical stance against it. Just stop. Wait. Right now, what is that? What's that experience like? You know, that kind of, that reaching and how. Absolutely true, is it? Something, um, one of the forces of ignorance is called moha, delusion. And this is this is the one that says, "Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not important." And then tomorrow, you know, it's, it's kind of fuzzes it, fudges it. So you're on something that's got quite a bit of heat in it, and you think, "Oh, it's all right. I'm just everybody does one of those." You know. And it, it blurs it. So be on the lookout for that. It's not that you have to put everything you do under this, into some tribunal. 
that just sort of stop for a minute, contemplate it. The sense objects you move to, the little hobbies that we have, the little creature comforts that we seek, often surreptitiously we think nobody's looking. <laughs> Somebody comes in, you kind of put it away, you know. <laughs> Reading comics or something like that. And it's all <laughs> because I shouldn't be one of those, should I? Somebody saw me reading Calvin and Hobbes, and oh dear, I shouldn't be one of those people. What will people think of me? That's another interesting uh, way of looking at it, you know, what he was doing. What if, if other people could sing, what would that would be like? What, what do you imagine the judgment, the blame, the indictments, the being laughed at, mocked at? Really? You know, is that true? See, so you, you see how you, we, you know, we create the, these worlds and they're really telling us something about the fears, the desires, and how the desires become kind of surreptitious desires that we're frightened to acknowledge. And because we're frightened of acknowledging our desire, we think somebody else will blame us. We have to project the source of fear onto somebody else. Probably me. I'll come round and snoop through the keyhole and see you reading your comics. And then all hell will break loose. (laughs) What if I came and joined you? (laughs) The thing, so I tried to recommend as sort of, you know, basic meditative skills that that I hope translate into more universal. Uh, references Uh, body embodiment Uh, basic ground I call it which means you 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 know you have some sense of fundamental bodily presence that you can refer to both it gives you a sense of stability um, you can settle you're not blown away you're not freaked out you're not running you're not frozen, you actually got a living bodily presence, you just go to that sense um, very f- fundamentally, and it's quite, a, it's quite an open sense, you don't have to focus on a particular point in the body just the overall sense of it and then you can feel the breathing in that, the embodiment um, the quality of empathy or, or actually heart quality um The word anukampang is a very interesting word because it literally means to tremble along with or tremble in reference to. And so the Buddha is, says someone who, who has anukampang in reference to all beings. I don't think it means he was shaking and trembling and quaking. It means he had a kind of resonance. You know. He felt it. He was affected. It didn't mean he was, he was knocked around by things, but he's... This, the quality of the Buddha's citta is called that which has anukampang 
for all beings. So sometimes it's called compassion. But it's not the same as karuna. It means it fundamentally is sensitive, feels, resonates with, doesn't react to, but resonates with. Oh, it's like that. You see someone enjoying themselves, you think, oh yeah, that's enjoyment. Mm. You see someone looking sad, oh yeah, that's sad. Looking angry, oh, anger's like that. Um, you know? So it's not reacting to it. Just sensitive to it. And so developing something internally, sensitive to your to the, the feelings and the mental feelings and the physical feelings. Pain is like this. Stress is like this. Happiness is like this. It's just letting yourself be touched by it. Rather than that, you shouldn't feel this. You've got to do something about that. Um, it's not right to feel this. Wait. Just first of all, feel it. And perhaps you don't need all those other reactions. Perhaps you just feel it. Uh-huh. Joy is like this. Uh-huh. Pain is like this. You know, seeing someone and feeling fond of them, that feels like this. Don't worry. You know, okay. Just stop the reactions of fear or fascination. or you know, you know, So you can stay with that. You don't have to be frightened of your own sensitivity. It's, it's only reactivity and projection that's the problem. So that sense you have to do something about it. You see something broken or not working or whatever, you get a particular tone of that. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It may be something you can do or maybe not, but rather than just going to those reactions of uh, dismissing it, blaming it, feeling inadequate or whatever, let's develop that sense, the chitta sense. Receive it. This is particularly um, needs a lot of support and encouragement in terms of other people, of course, because the reactions and the are, are so strong and, and compelling. So it needs quite a lot of steadying and simplicity and honesty, and also being able to moderate how much con- human contact you want to make. So I do recommend even in community life, that solitude uh, and certain kind of qualities of restraint are, I think, absolutely necessary. Not not to not have community life, but in order to have it. Otherwise, we just get into reactive tangles. But if you don't enter into the presence of other people, you don't really review and clean out and clarify that particular experience of how we're affected by others. So that basic sense, um, resonant sense, develop metta, develop the Brahmavihara, uh, the sense of devotion and offering yourself 
opening the heart. Very, very important. Um, the last aspect is, is the clarity. The you know, basic ground, basic heart, basic clarity. Just to be honest. State how it is to yourself. Don't explain it. Not why, who, what to do with it. Just say how it is. Just just say it to yourself how it is. This is this. This is this. It's that kind of, you know, whatever it is. It's the it's the actual keeping alive that ability to know define, keep clear sometimes we think we can escape if we don't do this because some things that we are really unpleasant to define this is pain, this is stress this is fear, this is panic this is hatred I don't want to know that so he did this, she did that we never do this, we can't get enough of this it spins into this stuff. This is this is not basic clarity. This is um, reaction. The basic clarity has a has a has a simplicity and a, a steadiness to it. So the th- so in fact, it take it, it, we stay within the sense of groundedness. So all three connect. You see, you can tell it's going wrong if your if your thinking process means you can't feel your body anymore. This means it's not basic clarity, it's, it's uh, projection and dissociation. You're kind of losing it, going into some story or spiel or another. Or if the, or if your sense of, of clarity, what was going on, gives you a feeling of emotional constriction or tightness, it's not clarity. Clarity is that where you, you stay resonant, feels like this. It's hatred, doubt, feels like this. And you stay grounded. You know, you can, breathe into it and then it's because of that that these you name the creature you hold it in your heart breathe through it name the creature hold it in your heart breathe through it stand in it Hmm? if you don't name it you don't hold it Hmm. so that's an essential bit of um, Dhamma practice If you don't know what to name it, then well, what's, roughly, what's it? What is it? Blur, scramble, hmm. or finally, this is stress. Stress is like this. Hold it, hold it in the heart. Stand in it. Breathe in breathe out into it it's like that so these very fundamental um, structures the bodily structure the embodiment the heart structure the sense of resonance and empathy and the, and the intellectual or conceptual structures are things which we call ourself these actually are you know, which get turned into a person and a personality, they're actually the ground for liberation. You know, when you take them and you, you adopt them, you bring them back into Dhamma, then the 
very fabric of our of our self becomes the fabric of liberation. You know, the means, the vehicle of liberation. You don't have to be liberated from it. You're liberated through it. And then, as it as these systems kind of find their peace and ease, you can feel within that kind of quality of of freedom within that. So, much to be done, and only one thing at a time. It's now 10.48, is that right? <laughs> so the clock's springing forward. This means that the uh, hour of 9.49 now becomes the hour of 10.49. moment of 10.49. 9.49 has been transmuted into 10.49. And what was a comfortable concept has now become a source of panic. <laughs> oh dear, I get enough sleep tonight. <laughs> so, as, uh, anyway, as, so I'd like to use this occasion to conclude the formal practice of the retreat. So the next couple of days... Um, won't be a morning puja. We'll have a morning evening sitting tomorrow evening, but it won't be uh, a long night sitting. It'll be just the kind of puja, a sun, like a Sunday evening puja. So tomorrow, if we meet for um, chores and meet at the for the um, gruel, 